0: Hello, and welcome to the Faculty Chronicles, TFC, a podcast sponsored by the Turo Center on Excellence in Teaching and Learning and the Office of the Provost. Your TFC podcast hosts are me, Professor Gina Bardwell, and Dr. Elizabeth Uni. Across academic disciplines, Turo faculty are producing great work, and the Faculty Chronicles wants you to hear all about it. TFC podcasts will highlight faculty chatting about their favorite project, in research, teaching, learning, science, medicine, technology, and so much more. So let's get busy building community, connection, and continuous conversation tour-wide. Our next faculty chronicle guest is on deck, waiting to chat. It's an honor to have as our Faculty Chronicles guests, these three Turo University experts, Dr. Lori Bobley, Dr. Sabra Brock, and Dr. Alan Sebel. Their skills span and intersect education, business and leadership. And today they will share their insights and tips on training future leaders and incorporating best practices for fine tuning faculty, students, staff, professional development and engagement skills. And now let's get to know our Faculty Chronicles guests. Dr. Lori Bobley is chair of the Special Education Generalist Grade 7-12 through 12 program in the Graduate School of Education at Turrell University. Her experience with instructional technology led to her appointment to the position of Director of GSE Online Education. She is an accreditation site visitor for both the Council for the Accreditation of Educator Preparation CAEP and the Association for Advancing Quality in Educator Preparation AAQEP. Her primary research interests include teacher education, professional development, and leadership. Dr. Saber Brock is chair of the Business and Accounting Department at NY C-A-S, New York College of Career and Applied Studies in Turo University, New York. She received a PhD in business education from NYU in 2007. Dr. Brock publishes widely in scholarly journals and with the Turo University Press. Prior to entering academia, Dr. Brock held global leadership positions at Citicorp, Colgate-Palmolive, DuPont, and Young and Rubicam. She is with Turo College Academy of Leadership and Management as a co-developer and facilitator, along with Dr. Alan Sebel and Dr. Lori Bobley. Alan Sebel, EDD, is an associate professor in the GSE School Leadership Program. He joined Turo 20 years ago after retiring from NYC DOE, Department of Education, as a Deputy Assistant Superintendent. He serves on many committees at Turo. Dr. Sebel is a Counsel for the Accreditation of Educator Preparation, CAEP, Site Visitor, and a Site Visitor for the Association for Advancing Quality in Educator Preparation, AA, QEP. He recently has been appointed a Middle States Commission on Higher Education. Dr. Sibel regularly presents on topics of online education and leadership development. What a trifecta of experts. (laughs) We're so glad to have you here. Now, Dr. Bobley, I am going to start with you. Why was Turo College Academy of Leadership and Management such an important mission of yours and the team? Uh, Give us what your initial vision was for the project.
1: Hi, Gina. We are really enjoying your podcasts and we're very excited to be here. Thanks for inviting us. Um, Well, all organizations need to recognize the ideas and the potential of the people who are working for them. And regardless of the position that they might hold, anyone could have a great idea that benefits the organization and upholds or advances the mission of the organization. So my idea was to recognize the value and potential of faculty and staff by providing a forum for them to have their ideas heard, for them to be able to work on their ideas and simultaneously improve their leadership and management skills and
0: competencies. I think that's a really, lofty proposal. And I wonder when you first proposed it, was it met with a yes or a no? One of you answer it. Speak about perseverance in leadership. Give a couple of specific methods on how you turn a no into a yes.
2: Yeah, thank you, Gina. Thank you for the wonderful introduction. And uh, your your follow-up question leads directly into what I wanted to say about perseverance. And I'm going to start with a very practical example that uh, t presented. When Lori first saw the need for a program, she was turned away, but she never gave up. She continued to nudge me about continuing to work on the idea with her. And over the next couple of years, we began to develop a plan and started thinking it through. And eventually we met Sabre and we brought her along as a third member of the team. And at that point, we were able to get uh, go to the leadership of the format for the program, the ex, the, uh, a plan and laid out what it was going to look like. And we were able to gather support. TCOM itself was really a model of perseverance. What I suggested that you really need to know your immediate organization. You have to know your immediate supervisor and what they're interested in and the culture of the organization. Without that understanding, you'll, you'll never make headway. When we talk to our TCOM cohort members, and, and Gina, you were one of them, uh, we always like to tell them, hey, Likes metrics, numbers, (laughs) demonstrate the need with qualitative and quantitative evidence, prove the need for what you're proposing. Anybody else wanna join in on that, Lori or or Sabra? Well said, no becomes a yes
0: after. (laughs) Now, I know that to become a member of TCOM, there is some strict criteria and some guidelines and uh, people are selected. But for faculty or adjuncts who may not get the opportunity to attend the Academy of Leadership and Management, what are some other ways they might strengthen their personal branding and professional communication skills? What are some opportunities they could take advantage of at Turo? Well, I teach management and marketing
3: at NYSCAS, and there's one particularly useful tool that I use a lot. It's called brand me. Here's how it works. <laughs> so think about yourself as a brand. We're all selling ourselves and our ideas every day. This is a quick approach to creating your brand me. Okay, so think of three words that describe you. Don't overthink it. For example, I immediately came up with calm, concern, and capable, and then make those into a mantra that you can say to yourself in times of stress and in times of opportunity.
0: That's, That's great, Zebra. Calm, concerned, and what was the last C? Capable. Capable, there you go, the three Cs. I really do like that. I also think it's important to find your expertise
1: when you wanna brand yourself. It may be one thing or two or three, but it shouldn't be too many. And keep learning about your area of expertise. Dig deeper into it. Uh, Network with other people with the same interests you have. And a lot of people don't like social media, but it's really important to be on it these days. I think getting active on social media is helpful to branding yourself. And also if you follow people with your interests and also try to post about your own topic you know, your own ideas on that area of interest that you have.
0: I might even chime in here and say, really work on your presentation skills, how you present, you know, at a conference, even in a classroom, how you uh, present a PowerPoint presentation, making it interesting, using the latest technology. So everything that you all just said about branding, using social media, and then working on one's individual presentation skills, I think is a great opportunity to work on your professional development skills overall. So I'm gonna switch this a little bit and, and ask, what are some classroom activities that you incorporate you know, in your individual classes to promote student faculty or student and staff engagement?
2: All of my candidates are teachers or related service providers actively working in the, in the public schools of New York City and state. Uh, they all experienced working with leaders with very different styles of leadership. That They gained a great deal from our discussions of leadership case studies and sharing their personal experiences working with leaders who had these different styles. Well, how, do we, how do we make that happen when they're online? How do they get that sharing of information so that they grow and learn from each other and, heard, and learn about the diversity that they might encounter? So at that time, as was said earlier, when you did, did Lori's introduction, uh, she was the director of online instruction. And, and I went to her and I said, how do I get people to share information in a different way other than discussion boards? And she suggested that I add collaborative projects to the coursework to make sure that candidates had to interact with each other and produce a product collaboratively. And we've presented on this nationally and internationally, and we have collaboration in each of our courses in the leadership program has now become a mainstay of the program. It's a requirement in all of our 10 uh, non-internship courses that there is collaboration. Over the last several years, one of our adjuncts actually brought to our attention something called School Sims, a wonderful assortment of about 75 simulations of experiences that school leaders and district leaders really experience. And we brought those simulations into our program the semester before COVID struck. It was very fortuitous because the experience of working through these simulations mm-hmm. was able to be used uh, as a substitute for some of their um, internship experiences that they would have had in, in classrooms. And what has happened for us, I've heard from my students' feedback, is that it has really allowed them to form relationships with colleagues in the class who have similar interests or similar needs, the same way they would have done that in a face-to-face classroom. We always know that there are natural groupings of students in a face-to-face. People become friendly with each other and work with their into the future. So this for, for has this also filled a connection gap uh, that I find in, in online programming.
0: I wanna throw that same question uh, to you, Dr. Brock. Uh, just talk a little bit about some examples on activities you incorporate in the business classroom that keeps students you know, interactive and focused.
3: Well, this is one that we use in business classrooms, but also in TCOM. It's called the MBTI personality test. Myers-Briggs type indicator. So it helps students discover their natural strengths and weaknesses as as people, as leaders, as managers. Those listening can take it, find out which of the 16 MBTI personality types fits you by going to a website, truity.com. That's T-R-U. ItY.com. It's free and the instrument takes less than 10 minutes to answer. In the five years that we've been running TCOM, this learning your MBTI type has been one of the most meaningful activities for many, many of the um, people that attend TCOM. And it not only helps you better understand yourself, which is essential for a leader, but it gives you a vocabulary that you can talk about your differences with others in, in a non, non-judgmental way. So that would be one recommendation I, I, I would uh, recommend. Uh, this website again is truity, T-R-U-I-T-Y.com.
0: When you take that test, you don't really know how you're going to fall. It's very interesting. I found it fascinating. What are you, Dr. Brock on the myers Brig? Well, I surprised myself. I always thought I was an extrovert because I can really
3: socialize and network, but I'm a pretty strong introvert. And the quick test on that is when you're tired, what do you do? Do you like to curl up with a book and a cup of tea by yourself? Or
0: do you like to go out and party? Uh, do you draw energy <laughs> from the crowd? Right. Okay. So, uh, Dr. Bobley, you are what? Introvert, extrovert? I think I was more introvert,
1: also, which I I kind of felt, but I, it was
2: confirmed. And Dr. Sabell? So we talked about 1990. I was an ESFJ, and every time I've taken it since then, I also am an ESFJ. <laughs> so Saber, what am I? <laughs>
3: <laughs> extroverted <laughs> sensing thinking and judging so you're and I,
2: and I guess I'm stuck in my place <laughs> when I was forming groups in my former position as a deputy superintendent I had to put teams together to go do school visits I used MBTI as part of that process in forming those groups
0: it's a great test I used it when I taught uh, strategic management uh, for the graduate school so I think that's a great tip for people to use who are looking to Elevate their professional skills. So, when you are teaching students or training staff with disparate skill levels to become leaders, give us um, two or three tips or methods we could learn and use in our classrooms or meetings.
2: Come back to TCOM again. I'm going to start from that point of view, okay? okay. Uh, when we establish cohort members, we try to put together groups of four people who are going to work on, on a, co- a culminating project. So we wanted to make sure that they were a mix of membership from each of the different schools or professions that were part of the TCOM cohort. So we watched people during an off-site uh, professional develop- um, um, team building activity and we made some judgments there. Then we did some mixing and matching based on the schools they came from. We called this purposeful grouping and uh, while we didn't have a great deal of information except that everybody accepted to TCOM, was coming with a set of strengths, otherwise they wouldn't have been accepted in the first place. Uh, They did come from different backgrounds. In my coursework, I also do collaborative groups. I uh, knew that people came from all three levels, elementary, middle, and and high schools. I always wanted to mix the groups so that they had um, a cross range of the 12 grades that they might be working in. Because our program leads to to a degree to be an administrator in any one of those levels. So it was very important that people who had those different backgrounds and experiences so that they learned about each other because i I spent my whole teaching career in a junior high school when I became a supervisor I had to work in elementary school. it was a whole new learning experience for me I had to learn what it was like to deal with five year olds I had that, not had that experience so that was a so that was a good thing in terms of mixing people for common uh, when they had a cross range of, of backgrounds and experiences um, so that was an important part and then The third thing is that good leaders have to be good communicators. School leaders have to be able to write with clarity and purpose. They have to be clear on what they're saying. It can't be misconstrued. Uh, So I require my students to write every week. They write memos, summary reports, case study analysis, things like that. School leaders also need to be effective public speakers. Uh, Principals speak to large groups of parents and students and colleagues all the time, but with technology. Uh, we're able to use video recordings and things like that so they get some practice in in the online courses as well Uh, i think those are three important things
0: i totally agree with you on public speaking it is it's so necessary now and everyone thinks oh i want to ted talk and instantaneously think that uh they can achieve that but that takes a lot of work takes a lot of rehearsal takes a lot of training you have to really work toward uh developing those skills in public speaking, delivering a message that is clear and concise and really impactful. People don't have the attention span that they used to. So sometimes you have to be able to make that message a lot shorter and a lot more succinct than we used to when we had more patients. If you are helping students or staff achieve success or harness a sense of professionalism, what would that look like with the students that you work with or the staff that you work with, uh, Dr. Bobley? Uh, Well, regardless of the type of work
1: you do, there is an expectation that you conduct your conduct yourself as a professional in the field. Uh, First, you need to understand what's expected from your organization or your profession, so what are the norms and rules, what does your supervisor expect then concentrate on your behavior. Your appearance and as you both Alan I think saber mentioned it earlier and eugenia mentioned communication it's crucial. So for example, every semester, we send pre-service teachers into schools and I meet with them and tell them that they are entering into a very important profession. They need to dress like a teacher, act like a teacher and communicate, meaning speak, write and listen like a professional. And that they should not send emails that look like text messages to the principal or to parents or to even students. You know, They have to have their communication be fairly formal. And
0: I think this does hold true for any type of work. I agree. And so why is it good to learn these uh, team building skills? And what are a few best practices for engaging students and how to effectively work in a small group? You do a lot of that in TECOM, but you know what about in classrooms and so forth? Who wants to take that one?
3: Well, I, I can make a couple points on that. The surveys have been done about the most important reasons for keeping a job. So think about what you believe those are. This is a question I ask my students. Why do people keep jobs? And we've been talking about them. So (laughs) two of them are related to communication, good oral communication skills, good written communication skills. But perhaps the most important one is getting along with others. So why do you leave a job or lose a job? Uh, not getting along with others is very frequently cited as a reason for departure from a job. So in, in TCOM and in, in my business classrooms, we practice teamwork. And practicing it with constructive feedback that is, that is important and knowing how to give and receive that feedback is important. So we do it and we do it again. And, and um, by, by the time you've been in five or six teams, which can have issues, uh, you have a, a head start on how to work in, in a workplace successfully.
1: I agree with you, Sabra. There's nothing more important than having good team skills. And from my perspective, there's nothing better than working on a team. When you hear other perspectives, you grow. Your ideas become clearer to you. And you even get more ideas from talking to people about your ideas or what they're thinking about. Um, If a group is working on an idea, the process is more creative. And the product is usually more innovative than it would would have been if you were working on that alone.
2: Saber and I and Lori met over the last seven years uh, working on the, the development of Tom. We've really proven to be an effective working team. Uh, so I think we're, again, a model of the value of teamwork and sharing of ideas and, and perspectives from different uh, areas.
0: I will add that rapport building is so important. Getting to know people, listening to stories, experiences, and sharing those is equally important to building a good team. Is that the forming stage? Mm-hmm. Of, of team building in an informal way, really listening and uh, becoming a team. So, I I I agree. That's
3: the Tuckman model of teams that you're you're citing. So, what happens once you form a team? Generally, it's thought that then you you norm, you establish uh, standards, and then you storm right <laughs> so, so it's a little bit counterintuitive but but having conflict in a team and talking about it is important if you suppress conflict you you lose that energy so then then the fourth step is performing and then a journey so All that model is forming
0: norming storming forming. performing and a journey <laughs> And they are all equally important. Yes. So what is the future regarding leadership programs in schools? What is one of the most important conversations currently taking place? Who wants to take that?
2: I think there are two conversations really that are taking place right now that are simultaneously. Uh, and they grow out of the events of the last several years. They um, pre-K to postgraduate programs. Uh, as a result of covid social-emotional well building of students and staff are at the forefront. Um, And we have to have leaders who are prepared, which weren't trained to deal with that, with the social-emotional problems that people have brought back with them. So how do you deal with that? And how do you prepare leaders to be uh, empathetic, uh, provide the appropriate means of support for people? So that's one overlying issue. And the second one has to do with Uh, D-E-I-J, diversity, equity, inclusion, and justice. Leaders at all levels are struggling how to address both of these areas. Most leaders weren't trained, as I said, to deal with the aftermath of a a pandemic uh, and how it's impacted students at all levels of schools and staff. So I think those are two specific challenges that leaders have to be prepared to deal with, and I'm sure it spreads over into the business and workplace as well.
3: yeah, I think those things are all true. I would add to that. This this conversation started even before the pandemic. Is global teams, and as as Toro becomes certainly more spread across the country and involve involve thirty five different schools, working with with people who are from very different cultures, than different time zones. There are some challenges there. Well, we had to face it in in our Tcom this year, where we
1: incorporated some Western division folk. So we had to change the start time. So yeah, also, um, a lot of the standards for our programs require a global perspective. So I know for teacher education, we are supposed to make sure our, our people were graduating future teachers have a global perspective on education on educating children from other, you know, from all over the
0: world. So it's all true. I agree. So we are coming to the end of our interview. I'm sorry to say. <laughs> and Dr. Bobley, I started with you, but um, I'm also going to throw this question out to Dr. Brock and Dr. Subel. What was the single best piece of advice you received as an educator that still holds true for you today? I want each of you to answer that. Let's start with you, Dr. Bobley.
1: I think it was keep trying. Don't get discouraged even when things don't look so positive. In fact, dig in deeper when they do. Like that.
3: (laughs) Mine is everyone is a leader in their own life.
2: Dr. Sabel, You know, I had um, a superintendent said to me, aim high. You have to be your own best salesperson. And I think you you really have to know yourself and know your values and your goals and make the best case for yourself as a professional. Ditto, ditto,
0: and ditto. So we are going to end on that note. And I'd like to thank each of you for spending time with us today. It was a pleasure chatting with you. I learned a lot. And I know our listening audience was informed but also inspired. Thank you all for all that you do. Thank you so much. Thank you. This was great. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to the Faculty Chronicles, TFC, Turo's podcast featuring the projects and work of faculty throughout the Turo College and university system. TFC is sponsored by the Office of the Provost and Kettle, the Center for Excellence in Teaching and Learning. We hope you like what you heard and will keep listening. So join us next time on The Faculty Chronicles, as we highlight and share faculty achievements that build community, connection, and continuous conversation.